Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Finier. My good buddy, uh, Kevin Luca will join me here in a little bit, but I'm honored to welcome back to the show, I should say now the former broadcaster for the Chicago Dogs, Sam Brief. Sam, thanks for joining me this week. Oh, that doesn't have as good of a ring to it as broadcaster, now does it? <laughs> you oh, know what? Man. But it's something I'm super happy about for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all, all kidding aside, um, it, it, it is an incredibly exciting time for me, and, and I really want to thank you, Rob, and, and also Kevin, who is off working or something, I guess. But I, I really appreciate all the kindness over the years. It, it's certainly bittersweet. Well, Sam, tell us about your new gig and how you got into this. Yeah, it's it's an exciting time. Like I said, I'm I'm going to be working for NBC Olympics as a digital producer for the 2024 Games. And uh, it's an opportunity that they came to me with in October, and I've gone through the application process and, and was overjoyed uh, beyond belief when I got the offer. So I've always been a huge Olympic sports fan. I'm one of those guys who wakes up at all hours of the night to watch the Olympics, depending on where in the world they are. Now I'm going to be someone who's working at all hours of the night because they'll be in Paris. So uh, this is this is a dream opportunity for me. I'm ready to go get after it. So as digital producer, does that mean you're doing stuff more behind the scenes? You're involved in interviewing athletes. You're doing the the like the broadcast of show of uh, events. What what exactly will you be working on? Yeah. So it's honestly it's a little bit of everything. Uh, I've had trouble explaining it to people because it encompasses so many different things or has the potential to encompass so many different things from interviewing athletes to creating videos, doing videos, uh, podcasting, writing, uh, pumping out stuff for the broadcast. You know, it's sort of a little bit of everything for what inevitably be around five different sports uh, that I work on that are still sort of up in the air what that's going to be. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to to instead of just focusing on one thing, get a chance to do a little bit of everything and, and kind of show my stuff. Now, you've been a guy who's done a lot of baseball, but you've actually done a lot of different yeah. sports as well in your time. So um, I gather this is really something you're looking at allows you to do what you really enjoy even more to a higher degree, I guess I should say. Yeah, you know, I'm someone who's a little hyperactive, Rob. Like, I, I really love to dip my toes in multiple sports and multiple crafts, you know, and this is something where I'll be able to work on a ton of different sports and do a ton of different things from videos to podcasting to writing to all this stuff. Um, so it, it's just a different life. I, I don't really know which life I prefer, I guess. I'll, I'll figure that out, right? It's, it's, I'm still really young. I'm still exploring myself and my career, and we'll see at, at the end of the day what I'm doing. But you know, it's sort of, I had my season for living and breathing baseball every day, and I loved every moment of it, and now I'm just ready for a new challenge. High energy. Sam, I, I got to say, I, I never noticed that. Uh, it's a surprise to hear you say that. You never noticed what? That I have high energy? That you're a high energy. Yeah, you're a high yeah. I, I never noticed. Uh, I mean, you know. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the program, I guess. <laughs> Well, well, right on. So, do you got your French down? Has some French lessons? How are we doing with that? Uh, well, I don't need French lessons. Uh, I'm actually, as of now, going to be based in Stamford, Connecticut, which is where NBC Sports headquarters are. Um, okay. So I'll actually be working in Chicago, which is why I told a lot of dog fans, you know, don't don't say bye to me too firmly because I'm not really going that far for now. I'll actually be working in Chicago from January until about June, and then in July, I'm going to head out to Stanford, which is where their headquarters are, not too far from Bristol and from New York City, and I'll be working there during the Olympics before I come back home. Oh, right on. Well, that worked out pretty well, then. Can't tell. Your family yeah, must be thrilled. They are, especially because my French isn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, they are. Uh, my, it's really hard to chase your dream without having a family that is behind you, right? I mean, they, my family from the start has been fully, fully supportive of me choosing an unconventional path. You know, they never said, oh, Sam, you have to become a doctor or a lawyer or a finance person and, and, and you know, 
do what we did, right? They said, okay, your dream is to be a broadcaster, writer, whatever it is, go for it. Um, so they've followed me every step of the way, and they were incredibly supportive of this. Uh, they fully embraced the dogs. I mean, both of my parents and my fiance, uh, you know, grandparents would often come to dogs games when they were in town. So just like they became dogs fans, I know now they'll become uh, NBC Olympics fans. It'll look a little different, uh, but I know they're all they're all incredibly excited. Now, when the Olympics are over, do you stay at NBC working on events that are associated around the Olympics, like preparing for the winter, or do they move you into other areas then at that point? It's sort of up in the air. Uh, we will see. I know I'm going to be with them at the very least until September. So uh, there will be a little bit of an Olympic wind-down period working on some stuff. And then after that, we're open. All right, interesting. Um, you were saying you're not really sure what those five sports are going to be at the, at this particular time, but uh, Summer Olympics have a lot of a lot of different kind of things. So, what do you do? You think like, let's say, for example, if you were an equestrian, that you would do things then like related around those types of events, or could it just be a, a really diverse group of five sports? Um, I I believe we're going to try to work it out where the sports kind of feed off each other. Um, okay. You know, for example, uh, track and field, triathlon kind of go together, right? Swimming and diving, right? You know, there's there's sort of groups of these sports. So we'll see. Um, I really want a diverse group of sports, though. Uh, I, I'm excited to, to dip my toes into waters that I haven't really explored, right? There's a lot of interesting sports for the Paris Olympics, including breaking, right? Which is which is what we know as break dancing. That's a new Olympic sport and uh, we know the Olympics are adding more sports in 2028, including cricket, baseball coming back, which obviously I'm excited about. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff, um, but we'll we'll see. I'm I'm kind of ready for anything. You know, this is a new journey for me, so I'm just going into it like a yes man. Just sign me up, I'll do it. Man, that is just unbelievable, Sam. I mean, just well deserved. And you know, Kevin and I. Are, have been kind of kidding since hearing the news about the fact that it seems like whenever somebody winds up being the broadcaster of the year in the American Association, they move on. You're just keeping that tradition alive now. Right, yeah, and Schuster actually texted me yesterday and, and wished me well. So I guess there's something about, I don't know, wanting to go out on top maybe, uh, but uh, it, no, you know, it's sort of, I guess it's a coincidence that it happened to work out like that, but maybe we're starting a theme, so whoever wins it next year, um, you know, got to watch what their career prospects are looking like. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, Sam, if if you would with me, can, can we just step back a little bit and talk about your your first time of being able to call a championship series in the American Association this last year? Yes. Yeah. And just give me your thoughts on Chicago and the season that they had. Oh, what a run, right? I mean, that was incredible. And now, knowing in hindsight that that was personally my last season with dogs, it it feels right. Even though we didn't win at all, uh, it feels right that we were able to have such a magical run because that had been lacking prior to this season. I mean, the walk-off win against Milwaukee in the 10th inning, hometown hero Ryan Lidge to get that Milwaukee monkey off of the team's back, that was amazing. Um, the 16 inning walk off, like, are you kidding me? 16 inning walk off in game one against Kansas City, that was amazing. Um, at the end of the day, the best team won the championship, right? Kansas City, I think we all knew all along, like, top to bottom, you know, half that team is major league guys. Um, the, the most talented team won, and sometimes that talent isn't going to win out. But the Dogs really felt like a team of destiny, and I do think there are a lot of people, myself, sort of included, I guess I haven't decided yet, uh, who sort of saw the Milwaukee series almost as the championship, just given the rivalry and the intense history that Milwaukee and Chicago have had together in this league. I think to beat Milwaukee and make it to the championship, you know, that felt like such a huge step. And now, obviously, uh, for this franchise, the next step is to actually go win it all. Um, but it was an accomplishment of the season uh, just to just to make it, I think. So um, a, a really incredible run to be part of. You know what? It seems like 
Chicago came to the point of they were close to making the playoffs and then finally made the playoffs and then made it into the, the championship series for the division finally and said now made it the championship series. It seems like there's just been this progression every year of just getting a little bit better, getting a little bit further every year. So you got to feel like this team is, is kind of destined to be the champions next year. I think so. I think so. I mean, listen, it's it just it, it steps, right? You, the dogs went from the new franchise who had never done anything to a franchise that made the playoffs a couple times but had never done anything in the playoffs to finally a team that did some stuff in the playoffs, made it to the mountaintop, didn't win it, um, and now it feels like that next step is to is to actually conquer the mountaintop, right? So um, this team you know they will be competitive um, because you know the dogs have a solid core, uh, exceptional coaching staff. They always add top free agents in the offseason um, because of how great the coaching staff is and because of how great being in Chicago and being at Impact Field is. So this team is going to be competitive. I mean, they'll be a playoff team, but um, the question is, can they finish the job? You know, when the trade was made last year, Sam, I thought, "Why, Josh Altman, what a great pickup for this club. But he he just blew me away. I mean, it must have just been unreal to watch him play all year. It blew me away. It blew me away. I mean, <laughs> I remember looking at his numbers, Rob, at the beginning of the season and being like, is this a bleeping joke? Like, he, he had like a... 1,600 OPS a few weeks into the season. And, I mean, that's something that you might see after a day or two, but not that far into a season. I mean, he was just exceptional, the things he was doing to the baseball. Um, and not just, you know, you don't, you don't look at Josh Altman, too, and say, like, wow, this is going to be the best power hitter in the league. And he really was one of the best. Uh, he played a, a much better shortstop, too, in the second half. So defensively he did it. And he's a great dude. Great guy. I mean, it was so cool for me to watch him do his thing and then, you know, talk about his mindset and his mental game and his process and be so humble. And, I mean, he's just genuinely such a great guy. His family was a big part of it, too. Uh, his his parents were at just about every game. His wife was at just about every game. It really turned into such a family atmosphere. You, you know, you talked about Ryan Lidge with the big – moment in the playoffs being the hometown hero it's kind of cool when you get to see the hometown guy do well josh altman got to do that exactly and that that's part of what made them such a special team to follow um, because so many of the key performers were local right they were actual chicago people you know when you say the chicago dogs it was actual chicago dogs right like uh, these guys grew up in the area, and I know they really relished having their families at the games, their friends at the game. I, I remember when Lidge hit that walk-off against Milwaukee um, right after the dogs celebrated. He was with, like, eight of his high school friends and some college friends from Notre Dame who, who made the trip over. And, you know, it's just it's cool when the hometown people are making the plays um, because, obviously, in professional sports, you might have a team that says they're the Chicago Dogs, but none of them are from Chicago because professional sports, that's how it works. Um, it just sort of worked out that way with this team that we had a lot of Chicago people, myself included. Uh, I always said it was an honor to, you know, wear a shirt that says Chicago and, you know, say, hey, welcome to Chicago Dogs baseball uh, and know that I'm a Chicago-born kid doing Chicago Dogs games. So that always was an honor. Now, you talked about this a little bit. Um, because now this was technically your last season with the club right now, um, some thoughts, that, you know, memories that really have stood out to you, not only from this past season, but if you wouldn't mind just sharing, you know, some of your highlights for you personally over the last few years since you've been with the club. Yeah, five years, a lot of memories. Uh, I'll share one because it really it tells a great story about someone who in so many ways is the face of the dogs, and that's Butch Hobson. Um, you know, I was kind of scared coming into the job. 
because I had just graduated college, so I very much was and felt like a kid. And I look up and I'm joining a franchise where the manager is this big, gruff, former major league third baseman who's been on Sports Center for some crazy ejections and you know, oh, Butch Hobson's the manager, Butch Hobson. And, you know, I'm a little nervous, right? I'm like, okay, I'm about to go get eaten alive. Uh, I'm just 22 years old starting this job. And I go in, you know, I get my cubicle in the front office, and I, you know, meet everyone. And at the end of the day, uh, Trish, our general manager, asks me if I wouldn't mind driving Butch from Impact Field in Rosemont to the WGN television studios in downtown Chicago. Um, now, for those of you who don't know the area, rush hour traffic, that's a two-hour drive. So I'm like, of course, I'm a yes man at that point. I'm saying yes to anything. I want to show that I'm team player. So I said yes. Butch comes to the ballpark. I meet him for the first time with him coming into my car and sitting shotgun in my little orange car. And my heart's going haywire, pounding out of my chest, because now I've got two hours to escort this big shot manager, and I'm just a kid, and he's going to think I'm in over my head. And we spent two hours talking, sharing stories, me telling him about who I am, him telling me about who he is, and telling me some of the funniest stories you've ever heard. And by the end of that ride, we were friends. And it was clear to me that he was going to treat me like a player, like a, a friend, almost a son, which is how he always says he treats his players. And that really held for five years. Um, Butch treated me like a, a son, like a player for all five years and treated me with respect. It wasn't always perfect. You know, we went through losing streaks. We didn't, you know, you, you're not going to see eye to eye with the, with the same person 100% of the time, but we usually did. And, we always had a mutual respect for each other, and um, because of that, when I came to this decision, he was one of the very first calls I made, and we had an amazing chat. So uh, I'm proud to call him a lifelong friend, but it really started with that pretty scary, but at the end of the day, fulfilling memory uh, of, of the drive to Chicago. You know, what's interesting for me, Sam, watching from the outside of this is that that first year, you know, the franchise was trying to get that there were still renovations and finishing touches that needed to be done to the stadium. And, you know, after your first season, you're, you're making all kinds of changes. This okay. This didn't work. And this worked kind of thing. How exciting was that for you to be a part of the fact that this team made a lot of transformations over the last five years and, and you played a big part in how that, that went and, and, you know, things that they decided to do to make that kind of the staple of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's a great point. I, I was around for a lot of growth. Uh, now, I, I certainly can't take credit for the growth. I mean, the, the, the engine of the Chicago Dogs is, is the front office. Sean Hunter, the owner, Trish Zuro, the, the chief operating officer, GM, uh, the sales staff that does such an amazing job. I always talk about our championship crew in the broadcast booth um, that, that, along with me, revolutionized the way – fans can see our broadcast and turn it into a, a borderline major league product. Um, it was amazing to be around for some of those changes and really more than anything to just see the dogs turn from a brand that was just a cute upstart that no one in Chicago knew about, right? No one knew about the dogs because there was no dog for centuries of Chicago. Um, and now there have been dogs, <laughs> the Chicago dogs for for six years, um, and people know us. You know, we have Saturday night games that are packed to the brim, and uh, the team does, you know, year-round events now with this light festival at Impact Field. It is a Chicago brand that has established itself. I'm proud to have been a small part of that. Um, there are people who have played much bigger roles in it, but um, I, I'm proud that I have played a part in that, and I think that's always something I'm going to take pride of about and you know when I inevitably kick back at a game this year or kick back at a game 20 years from now whatever it is take my kids one day and see a packed house I'll be able to say that I played a little part of that looking at the American Association as a whole Sam um, 
tell me, you know, how, how you're feeling about the growth of the league at this point, and oh. as you're as you're heading out the door, what it's like for you to look back on wh- where the American Association was when you came in, where it is now. Well, frankly, the growth of the league, Rob, has made it actually harder for me to make the decision to step out. Um, you know, I think if the league had looked more like it did when I joined, maybe it would be easier. But I'm leaving a good product, right? This, this baseball is legit. And I think every fan who follows it and the media members like you and like me who covered it, we know it's a great product, not just in the baseball you see on the field. I mean, just look at all the current and former major leaguers who are American Association people. Uh, but the media product, right, AATV is going strong. The league's social media does such a good job. Josh Schaub, Josh Buckholtz, you know, J&J, Jake Kranz, to add another J, they do such a good job promoting this league. Um, you know, the partnership um, with the, the event in Mexico last year to be able to play at the world stage uh, and everything that's still to come, um, I mean, it, it's incredibly exciting. So I think the dogs have grown a lot and, and the league has grown a lot. And um, this is an amazing product that uh, I'm leaving behind, but I'm excited to follow it just from a little different perspective now. Now, you left some pretty big shoes there, Sam. So do you know who might be filling in for you as the the everyday play-by-play guy for the dogs next year? Well, my shoe size is only eight and a half, my friend, so they're not that big. (laughs) But uh, all dad jokes aside, uh, I do not know yet. I'll leave that up to the team and to my replacement to uh, announce that. Um, I know it's being discussed, but I I do not have any intel for you on that. (laughs) You're not giving me the scoop is what I'm hearing. No, I can't do that. I can't do that. You know, it's not my story to tell anymore. Um, When I, if I have a Sam Brief related scoop, I'm happy to discuss, but uh, dogs related scoop, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let the dogs handle that one. I can appreciate that. Always the guy. I will say, whoever whoever it is 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 going to be a lucky person, right? It's it's an amazing job. It wasn't easy to leave. I've loved so many moments in these last five years. So, whoever does it, um, you know, will treat it with the respect it deserves, and treat these fans with the respect they deserve. And I know do an amazing job, right? It's it's not. Um, it's not their job to look back and look at what I did or think about me at all, right? I'm irrelevant now. <laughs> I'm there for advice and support, but I want whoever takes over to just make it theirs. You know, Sarah, in hearing you talk about this new position, if I just may have a personal note here, you know, I just want to say that I feel like this is such a great fit for you. I've loved listening to your stories about, you know, telling about player interactions and, stuff that's kind of going around around the team, just, you know, stuff about Chicago that related to Chicago dog games and things like that. And I just feel like this just seems like such a perfect fit for you to be involved in telling people stories at the Olympics. And I'm super excited for you about that. Rob, that means so much to me, um, really, because I, I know you don't need to say that. And I know you mean it. Uh, I, I also trust you because I know you're a straight shooter and you've got a good eye and, you call a spade a spade, so it means a lot to hear that from you. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I consider you a friend and always a supporter, and it's always been great to, to shoot the breeze with you and come on your show. So um, I really appreciate you saying that because this wasn't easy to leave behind dogs baseball, but I know I'm doing it for a good reason. So thank you, Rob. Absolutely. NBC Sports is incredibly blessed to have Sam Brief as part of their team. That's for sure. Oh. Can't believe you're saying that sentence. Still feels like a dream. <laughs> and that is absolutely true. So, Sam, uh, on that note, there, have it closing us out with a great final thought. Oh well, I just want to thank the dogs, thank you, thank the American Association fans. Um, it has, you know, this is an overly dramatic way to put it, but it really has been the honor of a lifetime—a pretty short lifetime for me so far. Um, I hope I have many honors ahead of me, but, but, you know, for my first few decades on earth, this has been amazing. I really have loved every moment, and I just want to say thank you to everyone for the support, and this will always be a part of who I am. Do you work on those thank you speeches there, Sam? Because when you win a sports Emmy, 
you know, I'll, I'll be looking for a great acceptance uh, speech. Uh, I'll keep working. I'll keep working. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> oh, and by the way, my final, final thought. Yeah, dogs please. Dogs all the way this year. Dogs all the way. All the way. And thanks for not calling me stupid, too, for Sam, for, uh, again, calling your team last in the division, and they made it to the championship. So I always appreciate your your generosity and kindness toward me. Hey, I'm not here to call you stupid because I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Brave, thanks for joining me. Of course. Thank you, Rob. Well, I want to welcome back Kevin Luco into the show. And, and Kevin, a pretty exciting news about Sam getting that gig there with NBC. It um, definitely is, and it continues a string of happenings for winners of the Broadcaster of the Year because if you go back to 2021, the winners were Brad Allred and Denny Gehrig. Denning leaves to go back to Wichita State. 2022, Steve Schuster wins it. Shortly thereafter, he takes a job at the Mets. Sam Brief wins it in 2023, then he moves on. So we'll see what happens to the 2024 recipient. Yeah. It, I, I wonder if the guys are going to be out there not only lobbying, but maybe paying people off, hoping that that winds up working out for them to get get the next big gig. Because, you, you know, got to admit, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I've always been a fan of Sam and, and what he brings to the table, but boy, that's a pretty big deal to be out there on the Olympics. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big deal there, I would say for sure. I mean, it's no doubter as far as um, whether to take the job or not. I mean, that could lead to big things in his future. You know, we going from broadcasting and partner league baseball to working on, working during the Olympics. I mean, that's, that's huge. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Summer Olympics, so... Uh, Unfortunately, I was kind of hoping to get Sam in the winter and see him doing curling or something like that. But maybe he'll do like equestrian or something kind of cool. I'd be interested to see. Well, I mean, does it sound like he's going to broadcast at all, or is he just going to be behind the scenes? Or I don't know. We're going to find out more about those details. So uh, you know, we'll see how that comes out here. So uh, while we're on this particular subject of kind of exciting moves out there. Uh, Big move out there in the Frontier League with Greg Cat, uh, Greg Taggart joining the uh, Tri City Valley Cats. If I are the Tri Valley Cats, I got to look this up now. Man, I feel bad. I got I got to come up with the right information here, Kevin, before I start talking about something here. Well, because I got the article. Well, well, it's not yeah, the first. Yeah, that's it. The Valley Cats. <laughs> okay, the Valley Cats, Tri City Valley Cats. See, so always go with your first pick, Kevin. Well, it's almost like the, it was like a managerial triangle. But you went um, Incavelia goes to Cleburne, Logan Watkins goes to Winnipeg, Tagger goes to Tri Valley. It's almost like a three-way trade. I thought it was interesting that he got a two-year deal out, out there with Tri Valley. Not sure if that's something he bargained for after being let go after one year in Winnipeg, or if that's just commonplace. Yeah, good question. And, uh, it, you know, kind of makes you wonder if, if I, you know, I think Greg is in his, I mean, I, I feel bad if I'm saying this wrong, but I think that if I remember correctly, he is in his like mid or early 60s. And I wonder if it's just kind of a, hey, I only want to manage for a couple of years and kind of see how it goes at that point. And, and uh, so he decided to make this move. But uh, exciting. You know, I, I had to admit, I was, I, I'm, you and I were kind of watching and surprised to see that he was no longer going to be in Winnipeg, and then this comes up. And um, as you mentioned, the, the managerial merry-go-round is spinning pretty fast right now. And I think the Frontier League is going to be a better fit for Tagger too, because I mean it's a it was a different game that he came back to the American Association from when he left Gary South Shore, so in a league that pushes more of the younger players in the Frontier League, I think that will be a better fit for the style that Greg Taggart brings to running a baseball club. Absolutely. And, and you know, we're starting to see that more and more that the, the kind of the moves between these leagues, it seems like 
there's a lot of familiarity that we're starting to see because, you know, as you mentioned, Peter and Cavillia coming out of there, out of uh, Tri-City and uh, Greg heading over there. We saw Tom Bates heading there a couple of years ago to take over the Washington Wild thing. So league's really kind of understanding that there's a, a very competitive part on and off the field, but also uh, I, I believe a mutual respect that if you're successful in one league, you could be successful in the other. And I think that tells a lot about how um, the two leagues have really grown. So good for them. So congratulations to Greg on that new job. And congratulations to Tommy McCarthy, who will likely have another another job playing baseball again. <laughs> it doesn't seem that way. You're right. It seems like everywhere that Greg goes, Tommy McCarthy is sure to follow. So. I don't know if it's like Mary had a little lamb or anything, but uh, it's working out that way. Uh, Kevin, we should mention the American Association signs a deal with Extreme Networks um, that looks like this is the preferred wireless technology provider for American Association baseball this year. So um, I think a lot of times, Kevin, we look at these things and go, okay. But the truth of the matter is the more partnerships you're developing, the better it is for the league, building a, a national brand that really is capturing a lot of uh, different types of companies. So good for them for making moves like this. Yeah, I wish it would be, a, you know, get a little more into stuff that, you know, I'm into, you know, like get a partnership with, I don't know, Chipotle or Chick-fil-A or, you know, something that just hammers home a little more with me at, I, I think Extreme Networks, and I'm thinking, oh, maybe that's one of those channels that back in the day used to be blurred out. <laughs> no, well, but if they were, Kevin, they're providing high-speed Wi-Fi while they're doing it, just so you know. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> moves yeah, around. I, I'm leave. tired of that low-speed Wi-Fi. <laughs> or just a medium-speed Moves from around the league, Kevin. We're going to talk about really quickly there. We've mentioned last week about Evan Alexander re-signing with the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks. Um, this week it is Sioux Falls re-signing infielder Trevor Achenbach, who had a really solid season for Sioux Falls this last year. They also bring back catcher Spencer Seringer. Uh, Seringer, I believe that is correct. Um, but the big one, Kevin, a closer Charlie Hasty returning back here to Sioux Falls and we both thought he was the best closer in the league and, and deserved all the accolades, that have, uh, including that deprived all-star appearance. Yeah, that was um, was a breakout season for Charlie Hasty, and I thought Mike Meyer did an excellent job of explaining his evolution as a pitcher when we had him on the show a few weeks back. Uh, don't forget Cole Lalonde, who pitched in some crucial situations for the Canaries late in the 2023 season, and Brady Stover, who had a bit of a renaissance coming over to Sioux Falls from Fargo-Moore, had also signed with the club. And you know what I'm seeing here? You know, I think it's a talk among a lot of people is that we're going to see more and more of the high-end players end up in the Mexican League. And I think that makes it really important for a team to build to build a core of guys that are familiar with each other and have a, like a common goal of trying to win a championship. But really good players, the guys that you know that aren't going to probably be sought out by the Mexican League or get signed by an MLB team, you know. A, Core players that will likely get to see their way through a possible championship season together. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's also drawing the conclusion of a lot of teams that you have to find that guy that maybe just wasn't successful in a starting role, let's just say, for example, and moves to the bullpen and just becomes a flat-out stud. Or a guy who just didn't, find it was working for him in middle relief or something. I mean, if you take a Charlie Hasty, who had been, you know, a solid reliever in some respects, um, all of a sudden finds that, that he's the best closer in the league last year. And, and I think that's a credit to Mike for being able to 
put him in the right position to turn his career around and really make him that, that piece that was just ideal for this club. And I think that what's going to make for an exceptional manager in this league is all of a sudden, you can't, it's not the guy that you are able to sign who already was a stud catcher or something. It's a guy you turn into a stud catcher who was, you know, kind of, you know, middling around in the outfield and all of a sudden, bam, he's, he's your, you know, hitting 295 with eight homers and 50 runs driven in. And everybody's going, wow, where'd that guy come from? Uh, I, I, I think this is really where we're going to start to see the league become even more manager driven to come up with those gems like that. You know, I'm going to back up on your point a little bit. And, you know, I know that Charlie Hasty got reliever of the year. I'm not going to take anything away from what he accomplished in 2023, but was he the best reliever in the entire league? Because I think we're forgetting about the year that Daniel Beast had with Kane County. Very true. You, you put together the ERA, the saves, I thought I thought Beast was just as good, if not better, than Hasty. But just throwing my ten cents in there because I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Charlie Hasty, and I just felt like um, Golly Daniel Beast just didn't get the recognition that I thought he deserved. Well, I, and I will truthfully say too, Kevin, is that while I thought Charlie Hasty had a phenomenal year, and and this was well deserving of accolades that he received. Um, I thought Sean Rakowski, in a lot of ways, was the best overall pitcher in the American Association, regardless of who you were talking about. Simply because this guy was the savior for for Sioux City for a long time. I mean, that club would have been in the toilet through the first month and a half of the season if he didn't have the year he had. So. Um, I could make a case. Uh, Daniel Bees was phenomenal, too. And uh, What did the guy have, like, one hit against him over, like, nine straight games or something? It was totally ridiculous, the, the numbers he was putting up last year. And, uh, well, it's a problem for him to even give up a run. Yeah, yeah. And what was so exciting about him is that this guy literally came from out of nowhere. I mean, he's like a Gonzaga reliever or something. And all of a sudden, bam, George Sam. Well, he has been out of baseball with the arm injury. <laughs> yeah. So it's amazing. But again, Kevin, I think that's the kind of stuff we're going to have to see managers be able to figure out in the American Association where you have a guy who's been out of the league for three years or been out of baseball for two or three years because he's battling some arm injury or decided to hang up the cleats and all of a sudden decide to come back. Or a guy who um, just is you know, you know, this is my last year. I'm going to really give this a shot. I, who knows what's going to happen because I've never had huge numbers. And all of a sudden, they're, they're you know, one of the best guys in, in the league are, are really putting up amazing numbers or something. And um, Daniel Bees is a great example of how that materialized last year. Yeah, so then the, to circle the whole point back to Sioux Falls, I just, I just think that that makes – what they're doing, bringing back the core of their team, where you got to go out and find fewer guys that are, you know, out there that you have to try to bid on as you have to try to look for. If you've got yeah. everything within your organization already, that's just fewer fewer chances you're going to have to take for bringing people in for training camp and just makes it a lot easier for a manager to put the team together. Yep, I completely agree with you. So it's going to make for a very exciting season, I think. I mean, we always enjoy the season itself, but sometimes the off season can be the real headline uh, for, for quite a while. As you and I are, are watching and going, man, that, what, a, what, what an interesting move that was. Or, you know, sometimes we're shaking our head at some moves and going, I don't really understand that at all, but you know, these managers are, we always give them credit for being incredibly intelligent, but sometimes we're, we still scratch our head and then we come back to go, well, yeah, now we get it. So, so it, it should be very interesting to see. Sp- staying on this note, Kevin, what's the guy, quickly mention a couple of other guys out there that got signed to contracts. 
Um, Sioux City signs right, right-handed pitcher Ronnie Munoz and right-handed pitcher Hyder Tokar. Hyder came over, a good buddy of Solomon Bates, I know, and, and battled through some arm injuries last season, but was pretty darn good for this club. And um, you're talking about building a, a team that you want to keep intact. It looks like manager Steve Montgomery kind of following that playbook this year, Kevin. I think so. Uh, you know, generally, Sioux City has maybe kept like four or five guys from year to year, but for the most part, it, they have rebuilt, and, you know, we've talked about that, how keep wondering if, you know, Steve Montgomery's going to get the whole team put together by training camp. But it seems like this year it's a different approach where he is bringing in a lot of the successful pieces back from last year's ball club. And really early, too, Kevin. You know, uh, I, th- I think by this point we're looking at usually one or two guys on the Sioux City roster, and he's hit that many. And he's been pretty active out there. So, um, man, it's a new market out there. And I, th- I think you you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about how the Mexican Independent League is going to completely affect managers thinking, well, I can't I can't dawdle on this stuff very long. Um, the one tr- interesting thing, Kevin, I'm not sure about, now I know that at this point, if a major league organization came and signed an American Association guy, there's no monetary incentive to the to the American Association team. So if a guy, if a, the Milwaukee Brewers signed a guy from Sioux City at this point, Sioux City doesn't get anything for that. Um, but I don't know if that's true in the Mexican League. If if a guy is signed right, is you know is is under contract to Sioux City but signs to go play in Mexico, I, I think they might have to pay that fee. So I don't know if that's got any factor in it or not, but, um, hey, money's money, I guess, <laughs> at this point. Well, it doesn't seem like we see many guys getting signed from the Mexican League to a major league organization. So it seems like a lot of times when guys are getting their contracts transferred to the Mexican League, it's, well, let's be frank about it. It's because there's more money to be made down there, not because it's like an incredible promotion. Yep, you're absolutely right. And when we say a lot more money to be made, that, that that's the understatement of the year. Uh, guys can make, you know, five, ten times what they're making in, in the American Association. So it's understandable that they would make that move. So, we uh, can't blame them either. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lincoln signs a few guys this this uh, week as well, Kevin. Infielder Alex Beza, I believe the way that it said, and re-signed left-handed pitcher Abdallah Aris, um, who, Arias, who pitched very well at times. That lefty, I think the club is really depending on, to, especially to, to work out in the rotation. So um, Brett Jody being, being active early on here as well. I think that takes us around American Association of Baseball. Kevin, let me just quickly go through a couple of Frontier League highlights with you. Um, a couple of teams got on some, some early signings of uh, players. A lot of uh, traditional things we see in the American Association where clubs exercise contract options on guys just to keep their rights um, in case they're interested in signing them or trying to make a move to improve their club. That included at Trevor Vieira's Sussex County and Lake Erie all made a bunch of moves like that, but they all did sign a few guys along the way as well. Um, so got a little bit busy out there. A uh, few guys rejected the contract uh, options uh, for them, and so they moved on. That included, I believe that if I remember this, it was Frasis Adamus who pitched for Winnipeg, but I don't, I don't remember Frasis or Frasis with the way that was said. So. Um, he chose not to re-sign with Sussex County and, and get out on the, the open market out there. Uh, and then, Kevin, in the Atlantic League, I, I, mean, I guess they're just shutting down. There is no information in transactions and articles shown to them. So I guess they took the, the rest of the year off. How about that in the Atlantic League? Yeah, maybe they maybe they have a holiday season where they, you know, say, okay, just take, take a couple weeks off and come January one, we'll get back after it again. I, I know I'm kind of interested to see what's going to become of the Gastonio Honey Hunters as their um, as their ownership 
I don't know how you could explain if they had the team taken away from them or they lost their charter in the league or what exactly the league is going to do with Gastonia. If they're just going to, it could be a thing where it could be a team, a league operated team next season or what's going to go on there. If I remember, weren't they not, they were out of money or they weren't paying or something? It was a, yeah, it was a mess the entire season and, I think the league just finally had it with the ownership group. What was amazing about that, Kevin, is that was like one of the top teams in the South, if not the top team. (laughs) I guess, you know, we always say that ownership makes a big difference in how well a team does, but I guess that that wasn't the case for Gastonia last year. Yeah, it's amazing how they kept it all together with all the nonsense going on. Hey, credit to those players, too, Kevin. I mean, I can't imagine when your ownership is, let's say, uh, challenging. That's the word I'll use. Yeah. But you're still going out there playing ball. I mean, yeah, credit to those guys for, for you know, having the integrity to keep playing for their club. True. Very rarely. Well, Kevin, that uh, takes us around the partner league baseball out there. You know, Kevin, next week is the tw- is the 18th of December that we'll be reco- recording the show, and that is one week exactly before Christmas. So you know who our guest gets to be for next week. Ah, uh, yes, a very Texas Christmas with Brad Allred. <laughs> Absolutely. Our favorite show of the year, we will say, as uh, we always get to learn what Brad bought for his wife and uh, good things like that, which you can never argue about. You know, when I when I think of um, Christmas, I think of snowman and snow falling outside as you're sitting around the the house opening presents and going door to door singing Christmas carols. I mean, when you think of that, immediately you have to think of Texas, right? <laughs> I always do. <laughs> first time my first time my thoughts there at that point. Well, we always love having Brad on, so that's going to be pretty exciting next week for sure. So, looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I think so. I, you know, man. Brad and Brad and I both are looking forward to next week. Not not just because of the show, because but because there's a movie coming out called The Iron Claw, which is a a doc a real life documentary on the Von Eric Flash Atkinson family that is being released and. A lot of us that follow pro wrestling and especially the the Von Erich family, which I watched on TV as a teenager and Brad did also. We are both really looking forward to the release of that movie next week. And I don't think we'll have caught it by the time we come on the show next week, but we're, I know it's, uh, we're both definitely looking forward to getting out and seeing it. Well, Kevin, I think this is opening the door for a movie critic segment each week on This Week in the Association. Uh, yeah, well. Kevin's, uh, Kevin's movie critic corner. I think it's going to be the first time I've been in a theater since, like, oh, I want to say 2016. And those out there that um, do baseball trips can understand that because – when you're on the road and you're in a city you've been in several times before where there's not a lot of touristy stuff to do, it's about 95 degrees out, you've already had to check out your hotel room, the first thing you do is seeing, okay, well, what's playing for matinees in a nice air-conditioned theater? And I think maybe Fargo in like 2016 or 17, maybe 18 was the last time I think I've been in a theater. Oh, well, so this is a big moment then. So this really must have piqued the interest of Kevin Loco. I looked for advanced movie ticket prices, and I'm asking my wife, so what do they charge for a movie nowadays? Is this going to be like... Because I, I look in like... I mean, there's one advanced showing tomorrow night, and tickets are like 20 bucks. And I'm like, really? Is, is this the going rate now? But I think it might be just because it's very limited 
because the official release is until next week, so it'll be a very limited showing. So maybe that's why ticket prices are a little bit higher. Well, and you'll be front row. Well, not front row, but you'll be center no, stage. No, 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 no. <laughs> I never understood those that like to sit front row in the theater. To me, further back, the better. I'm 100% with you on that one. It's kind of like a press box. Okay, you know? Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. That, that, that's a great analogy, as a matter of fact. That leads us to the uh, shout-out for the week, Kevin. So who gets the Kevin Luco shout-out for the week? I am going to give it to, you know, I've been to I walked through a Christmas light display up in Duluth a week ago, Saturday, and last night we drove through one in Mankato, and I want to give a shout-out to the volunteers that take their time to whatever they do for the, the um, these light shows, whether it's put, actually putting up the lights or if it's going out and standing out in the cold for hours and volunteering to help people enjoy the light shows and to help spread the, the Christmas spirit. Um, so I want to give those volunteers that take time out of their holiday season to to help spread Christmas cheer to others. I like that. That, that is fantastic. Uh, let's see. Who should I shout out to this week? How about... Um, I, I will stay in that same vein, Kevin, and I will say to all of those uh, store employees working extra hours, like my good buddy Kevin Loco, having to work all kinds of extra hours at this time, is it's uh, Christmas time, and um, not every customer comes in has the Christmas cheer in their in their hearts, and uh, but you're still required to go out there and. and provide great service and ensure that customers are, are know that they're cared for. So I want to say thank you to all those hardworking people who are putting up with some rather obnoxious customers at times. So thank you to them and to Kevin in particular. Yeah, you know, it is a little tougher too because it's it's not like fast food where if they're difficult with you, you can spit in their food. So it's hard to get even. <laughs> right on. All right. All right. Well, Kevin and I want to once again thank Sam Brief. Say congratulations to him once again. Next week, as we said, Brad Alvaro to come back to the show to talk a little Christmas joy with us Texas style. So for Kevin Luco, I'm Rob Panier. We'll see you next time on This Week in the Association.